What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Turn on the Jets Live. I'm your host, Stephen Zantz, joined by my co-host, Stephen Russo. We're back together, Stephen. Suck doing the show without you, but it was a little bit different. How you doing, bud? Happy New Year. How's everything? Uh, happy New Year, man. It's uh, it's good to be back. Uh, like I just tweeted out, you know, hopefully people come and commiserate because what a sad ending for uh, as, as high as we were flying. Yep. Uh, midseason, what, weeks four to 12, 13, around there, even with some competitive losses, uh, we felt good. And uh, I don't think any of us could have ever imagined ending this way uh, and in this fashion. So it's it's been uh, it's been tough been a tough couple of weeks um and uh and capped by that Seattle loss which was uh about as big of a letdown as you could imagine and and really I never saw it coming especially with the return of Mike White but hey it's the new year and uh you know we got to keep things in perspective um so yeah I'm doing all right man how are you you know I agree it's it stings because we had a lot of hope we felt really good about this team you know two months ago and I don't want to say that like I'm worried because there's a lot of good things to take away from this season, even though they're playing a meaningless, you know, week 18 game. They did check a lot of boxes. Um, But actually, before we go into it, I just wanted to obviously say, you know, it's it's just scary what football is. And, you know, I just wanted to, you know, put prayers out to DeMar Hamlin's family. I know, you know, we all love this game and it just sucks. And even though it was the Bills, who we actively don't want to win. You know, it was just really hard to see. So I, I just wanted to do that before we go into this. I meant to do it at the top. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll pass to you on this and then we can go back into it. No, I mean, I'll reiterate it. Uh, you know, obviously thoughts and prayers are, are with him, uh, his entire family, uh, the Bills organization. Yep. Um, it's just, you know, the, you say it kind of just uh, in passing almost that it's a violent sport and and it is. And but when you say that, you think you know, broken bones, uh, torn ligaments, you know, stuff like that. You never think about someone actually having to be revived on the field. So I, I everyone watching um, saw how scary that was. Uh, everyone on the field must have felt it, uh, you know, a hundred times that. So you could see the reactions, the reactions from the players, uh, both Bengals and Bills. And it's just something you never, you know, really think that that any of them, I'm sure, ever thought that they would experience and, and have uh, someone's life you know, that they're close with come in question right there on the field. And so I give, um, you know, I give a ton of credit to the way that uh, Sean McDermott and Zach Taylor handled it um, and bringing their, you know, their teams back in the locker room and say, listen, we're not going to finish this game tonight and and we'll figure it out. Cause the most important thing is, uh, is DeMar Hamlin and, and his family. So kudos to them, but again, prayers up thoughts, uh, thoughts are with them and, uh, and the family and uh, hopefully for, uh, you know, a full recovery and we get some good news coming out of here in the next couple of days. Yeah, really classy stuff by the Jets, actually, and the Giants. They put, like, a whole thing up for him, like, you know, pray mm-hmm. for DeMar outside the stadium tonight. And also, I saw Sauce Gardner tweeted that he wants to wear DeMar jerseys, so can someone hook him up with one? And I saw Michael Rubin of Fanatics is sending him one, you know, there overnighting you it. So that's pretty cool for him to yeah. wear, you know, walking into the game in Miami on Sunday. Um, so back to the Jets, because obviously this is what we we do with the show, and it, we – do appreciate everybody who listens, watches and everything. And we hope that it can be escaped for when, you know, you go through tough times in your life, whether it be, you know, seeing this you know, or anything that you go through because, you know, life is short and, you know, there's so many things that go on and we want to be a distraction to people who love this team and are passionate about this team. So you know, hopefully we can do that, even though we're talking about another disappointing end to a Jets <laughs> season. However, I mean, they're at seven wins. 
you know, they're seven and nine, which was actually what their record was the last time they looked somewhat competent in 2019. So they have an opportunity to not finish in last place, not uh, finish with, you know, less than eight wins, which they haven't done, I guess, since 2013. I don't know. 2015 is when they went 10 and six. I'm sorry. So there are some things and not finishing last place would be nice considering they've been that doormat for quite some time. Um, But yeah, going back to the Seattle game, man, it's just nothing looked like it was right. Mike White didn't look healthy and I'm not like trying to excuse his poor play, but he didn't look right. Like, you know, we saw a different guy, but I think the optimism that a lot of Jeff fans have is probably gone of maybe him playing his way into the 2023 job. I will say, I think he should be brought back at least at the very least as the backup to whoever the starter is, because all indications are Zach Wilson will probably be moved, even though the, the organization continues to deny it, the, like whether through the media and whatnot. But it, it, I don't understand really how you can have that situation. And for like, and I said this on the solo show, like I hope for Zach that things do work out for him somewhere else, because it's not easy to play in this market. It's not easy to deal with these fans. And I don't want people to be like, oh, Jeff fans are toxic. Like his, they're like a reportedly his mom said to it in a DM. Like, no, they're the same as any crazy fans that are passionate about their team. We live in an era where people have their ability to voice their displeasure more than just booing in the stadium and, you know, seeing stuff in the paper. It's all over the internet. It's hard. I get it. Like as long as it's all about the play and not the person and their family, then I think it's fair game when, you know, you root for a team. So it just sucked because Kenneth Walker just sucked the life out of us immediately when this game started. I'm I'm sitting there on an island with my dad. We're watching on my Surface Pro tablet on some stream, probably a little bit delayed. And my dad's like, this game's over once he had that run. And you know what? He was right. He was so right because they just were so flat on defense until the second half. And, of course, their first three possessions on offense get into Seattle territory because they're bad defense, but they can't score a touchdown. Mm-hmm. And it's just so frustrating. And Michael LaFleur is the one who everyone's pointing to. And you know what? I, he deserves the heat. And I've been a big Michael LaFleur apologist. And if they did make a change after the season, I wouldn't blame them and I wouldn't necessarily be upset with it. But he also doesn't have a quarterback. Mike White is probably a spot starter backup at best. And I hope they keep him around because he seems to be really well liked in the locker room. He's shown that in spurts, he can be productive. If someone, whoever they're starting, maybe next year gets hurt, you know, he can give you a game or two and look good, but it's just, it sucks, man. This, and now with Miami trotting, you know, Skylar Thompson and maybe even Mike Glennon now as they signed him this week, the Jets literally could have cakewalked into the playoffs if they could have just won two of these games. Sorry, yeah. I'm, I'm ranting here, man. No, you're, you're fine. And it's it's a lot to unpack. And I think the biggest and most concerning thing is that when the Jets got a second lease on life here and their playoff hopes somehow got revived with uh, really a miracle Christmas weekend uh, capped by, you know, Green Bay beating Miami. It's like you shouldn't have to ask a team to get up for that. That should just automatically happen. And I, I immediately went to kind of shades of 2002 um, you know, they, they dropped the game to Chicago. They fell to seven and seven, but kind of the miracle three team tie thing with them and <clears throat> New England and Miami. And it worked on the Jets favor, but boom, they blow, they blow out New England. Then they come back and they have a shot to win the division against Green Bay and they, they, they do it and they blow them out. 
Same thing in 09, right? They get a second chance at life. They're kind of revived there. They think they're out after that loss to Atlanta. They're seven and seven. All of a sudden, you don't even have to ask them uh, to get to revved up to or to get revved up to win the next two, and boom, they do it. So for the most disappointing thing, really, is to have a guy that I truly believe in, in Robert Sala, uh, have a team come out as flat as they did with this second lease on life and the, these playoff hopes that are right there for the taking against. Yeah, Seattle's a tough place to play, but it's not. It, they're not, you know, the greatest show on turf or anything like no. that. It's not the it's not the two thousand Ravens. It's not the the ninety nine Rams. Like that's that's not what this team was. So for them to come out as flat as they did, and you're right. As soon as Kenneth Walker hit that first run, it was like everything just got sucked out, and you're like, there's no chance the Jets are winning this game. But for the team to not even uh, be look ready to play it is really alarming for the one thing that I thought I could count on throughout this whole season was that Robert Sala would have this team amped up and ready to play. Um, it was disappointing, especially coming off the back of that Jacksonville game, which we really was just a repeat um, of this game. I mean, and I know that Joe Caparoso said it, and I, I wholeheartedly agree because I tweeted it out as well, is that it really feels like that fourth and inches uh, conversion by Detroit was like the Marino fake spike moment of, uh, of 94 where they had everything right there. And, and that one play was just kind of like the season defining moment and everything just fell apart after that. And it's like the team just folded up and and, and that's it. And that's just really uh, it's really too bad. So I know that the coaching staff is getting a lot of heat. I think rightfully so. Rightfully uh, I so. know, I know that LaFleur is getting a lot of heat. I'm, a little more um I'm cooler on on letting him go than I would be on firing him. I think that patience is is deserved with this with such a young team and a, and a young staff. I would welcome uh, a change of uh, a quarterbacks coach or even bringing in like a like a senior offensive consultant or someone like that someone with um, experience with experience know. with play calling experience with proven experience uh developing quarterbacks um but overall, it's just you know. The one thing that I would go back to to kind of recap the season, and I think both things are true, is is Bob Ushuzhin, uh guest of the show, was yes. on uh, was on One Jets Drive, and he he mentioned it, and he's like, of course the goalposts move with the the early season success that this team had, and that's natural. You have to realize that there is a foundation being built here that there this team is young, there's youth across the board, and you have to understand that. And yes, and Stephen, you you said it to to lead off was. Um, boxes were checked. You got September wins. You got divisional wins. Started out five and two, got themselves to six and three, seven and four, all that stuff. That's all true. And yes, we feel good about getting to seven wins and and being in the position that we were and having a top five defense and all this stuff. Yes. While that is true, these things are, are, are mutually exclusive where we're also disappointed at the fact that you're seven and four. And you got yourselves to seven and nine and completely out of the playoff picture by week 18, especially with what looks like a cupcake game to, to be a win that would have been a win and in scenario for you um, against Miami. So it's just one of those things that, you know, both things are true and you can be equally as uh, excited and happy that the Jets did check these boxes and are making progress and the future still does look brighter than it did while also being upset that they couldn't capitalize on a strong start and middle part of the season to where they had themselves in prime position. And then even after that, when they faltered a little bit, um, they got a second chance at life and couldn't capitalize. And I just, it, it's, it, you know, I could have even, if, if you back it up a little further, I could have even dealt with losses like Minnesota or Buffalo or Detroit 
in these last two games, but coming out and looking the way they did, that's what's really gotten me. Is, yeah. is it, it's been really disappointing that they've just looked lifeless in, in these games where everything was in front of them and right there for the taking. The Seattle game was a lot like the Ravens game, honestly. It's like the defense kind of, you know, had its, you know, I guess, warts per se. And then they obviously had moments of dominance when they were, you know, Gino really didn't do anything after the first quarter. Mm-hmm. They They held them pretty well in check, but if your offense can't score specifically when you're getting into Seattle territory touchdowns, you're not going to win. What are they one? They have zero touchdowns last eight quarters. Like that's just insane to me. Come on. Like how could, how could that be the case? And I get it. White was her offensive line was not protecting him. Well, I, I get all of that, but to me, why, why wasn't Shreveler there to light a spark in the run game? The run game was actually pretty effective early on in the game. Like, I don't understand why, you know, they're so inept on offense. Like we saw moments of brilliance. I get it. This team hasn't been the same since Brees Hall got hurt, but we still saw them do things with Zonovan Knight, you know, playing that we saw some things, you know, with these receivers. I, I know Garrett Wilson nice, thankfully broke that thousand yard receiver streak that we unfortunately had to deal with for seven years. So I'm happy for that. But like you said, it's the way they lost these last two games, not necessarily the fact that they lost them. Like if Jacksonville beat them on a last second field goal, same thing like with Seattle and they, you know, they fought hard and they were in the game the whole time. You feel differently than you do right now. And then you don't necessarily have to discredit all the progress that they've made because of what this is, but it kind of just seems like they regressed back to the same old jets that we've mm-hmm. unfortunately co- no, uh, come to love and to hate a lot of the time. So yeah. I, I, it sucks. I feel, you know, still pretty, you know, bummed. I I was kind of apathetic at this game. I'm watching it on a, on a computer in a hotel room (laughs) and I turned it off for five minutes ago. I'll be completely honest with you. I've done that from time to time. I'm like, the game's over. I'm not like, I'm not holding out hope. I'm like, they just don't have it today. I'll, you know, I'll see what happened. I'll check in. It's just, man. It sucks. It sucks yeah. the wind out of your sails, as you've always said on the show. It, 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 it did. And honestly, like, I don't know. I mean, I'm I'm kind of tired of the excuses. Like, yeah, you know, Mike White doesn't look 100%, but you know what? A lot of quarterbacks have played when they're not 100%, and they figured Brady it out. Brady has his and, whole career, really. It, exactly. And this, again, this is, you know, the Seahawks defense is a bottom five defense in the league. This wasn't the 85 Bears they were playing. So figure out a way, you know, just, I mean, move the ball. And it just – even, you know, against Detroit with Zach Wilson, like, you know, they scored 17 points, but they moved the ball. And Zach Wilson threw for over 300 yards in that game. Like, they figured it out. You know what I mean? So it's it's just alarming to me that you're playing these bottom-feeding defenses in the last two, three weeks of the season, and you're incapable of scoring a touchdown and putting the ball in the end zone. I don't care, who like, who's back there. And that's – I think that's the biggest indictment of Mike LaFleur is that he wasn't able to figure it out in these last few weeks. Like – regardless of who's back there, you know, and if, if, if Mike White really isn't hundred percent healthy and the line isn't obviously hundred percent healthy and they're not protecting, then run some quicker hitters. Don't take these long, slow developing plays where you got to get these guys downfield and you're putting Mike White in jeopardy back there. You're putting Zach Wilson in jeopardy. Like those are the things, I mean, that's, that's your number one job is to figure these things out. So 
you know, yes, it, it, it is it an excuse that Mike Way was 100%. Can we all see it? Absolutely. But that's what it, that's what your job is. And if not, then put Flacco back there or get Streveler more reps or geez. I mean, for, you know, everyone would have killed him. But if Mike White truly wasn't healthy, then play Zach Wilson again. I mean, I, I don't know, but it's it's your job to figure this out. And that's the most frustrating. <laughs> I said the most frustrating like a lot, but that is one of the most frustrating parts is that they were just completely inept and incapable on offense to get anything manufactured, despite whatever the excuses were about any injuries or offensive line or, or whatever it was. I mean, everybody plays with injuries. Everybody's got to figure it out. Nobody. Look at the Giants. Week, exactly. Week 17 of the NFL season, no one is 100% healthy. It's just rule of thumb. That's how it goes. Yeah. Um, you know, it's funny you mentioned about Zach. Like, I'm going to pose a question to you. Since they're mathematically eliminated, like, would you be opposed to them just throwing him out there? I know he's not playing. I know he's going to be inactive. For yeah. some I honestly think that at this point, why wouldn't you just to see what you have and like give him an opportunity? I mean, he actually played all right against Miami the first time they played him. They won that game. He didn't have to do that much. But to me, it's like if you're really trying to boost his value, maybe in a soft spot against the Miami defense, it's really banged up. Him putting out good tape wouldn't be the worst thing, but also just to maybe boost his confidence and end the season on a high note. I, I, I get it. Salah's, you know, wants to get another win and maybe he feels more, I mean, not maybe he definitely feels that Mike White gives him the best shot, but also at the end of the day, like, you know, you don't really have anything to lose. Like the commanders are playing Sam Howell, who's never played an NFL game in his life yeah. to end the season because they're mathematically limited just to see what they have. So I, you know, I could, I, you could make the case on this one, right? You could, if it were me, and I think they're doing the right thing. I think it's a risk reward thing. And I think the risk is greatly outweighs the reward. Yeah. Cause I think there's a lot more bad that can come out of this than good. Cause if Zach Wilson goes out and plays lights out, it's all, well, you know, he's playing against a bad Miami defense. Miami's playing Mike Lennon or Skylar Thompson or whatever. They're not going to do anything anyway. And yeah, he should be doing this no matter what, cause now all the pressure's off and, and you're playing with house money. But if he comes out and lays an egg, then it's just going to further solidify. It's going to further drain his confidence, further solidify all the thoughts and opinions of everybody in New York, both fans and media, and then I mean, obviously decrease any any value that he's got left um, on the, on whatever trade market could be there if that's the route they decide to go in the offseason. So I don't disagree with you from a fan perspective. From my, you know, I always say that I like to remain as objective as possible. Yeah, it, you know, throw him out there, see what you got. I wouldn't be totally opposed to it, but I think. In the grand scheme of things, it's probably a, a higher risk than it is uh, a reward. Yeah, totally fair. I mean, I just wanted to pose that question to you. So yeah. since I did a show without you, and I know we were talking about before we went live that you did listen to it, I'm curious what your thoughts are on some of these options because we know the Jets starting quarterback in 2023 is not on this team. Like, I if they ran it back with this team – like with it, I mean, they're not like Joe Flacco's gonna retire. Who knows if Trevor's gonna be on the team? Mike White might come back as the backup, but and Zach Wilson, who knows what they do with him? I imagine they do move him to a team that's maybe liked him, you know, coming out and feel like they maybe they can rehabilitate him within their offense and their coaching staff. But like, who do you who would be your top three? And I feel like Derek Carr is probably number one in terms of realistic and somebody you'd want, but like, uh. Let's let's throw Lamar Jackson out there. I don't think that he's going to be moved, yeah. at least especially to the Jets. Like if I yeah. think if they ever did move him, it would be the NFC because that's like what when guys like that are moved, that's what they usually do. But like, how would you rank your top three options for who they realistically could get? 
And obviously, who's the person that you wouldn't want at all? And I think it's obvious, but I'll, I want to see your thoughts anyway. <laughs> you think it's obvious the person I wouldn't want? I Let's mean, see. I mean, if we're going to list them off, like, is Aaron Rodgers a realistic possibility? I think at this point, probably not, because they're probably going to make the yeah. playoffs and he'll just yeah. run it back. But yeah. yeah, obviously, he's number one if if it was attainable, but I, I don't think it is. I think the most realistic um, that I would say options, and, and if I were to rank them, I'd probably say one Derek Carr, two Jimmy Garoppolo, and three Tannehill. Okay. Uh, and Aaron Rodgers, if available, would be my number one, hands down. I feel like the the, the caveat there, no, no, not even caveat, but there obviously are ties between the Jets and the Packers with Sala and, and LaFleur being, you know, best of friends. Um, there's also a tie there with Zach and Aaron Rodgers being, you know, kind of close. So maybe that, you know, they keep Zach, they bring Aaron in for two years as kind of a mentor and then ultimately can, can turn it over to him. So that'd be my number one, but I do get that that's a bit unrealistic, but uh, for all the people that don't want Derek Carr, at all, their mind. I, I, I can't begin to understand that thinking. Um, I think the, the stuff about him not playing in the cold is overblown. I mean, he's a, he's a West coast guy that's played in the AFC West for his entire career. Like I'm he not, also played, I'm, he also played his college Fresno ball. State. Yeah. It's not like, like hot there. It's like, exactly. He's in California. Like I'm not, you know, I, I just, I'm not like overly concerned with that. And I'm not even like the, the statistical seasons and where they rank in Jets history. Like it's, again, it's irrelevant. I th- it is. I, it's, and that's a, and it's a very low bar to clear. And it's funny. I'm going to sidebar real quick, but I was having a conversation with my, uh, my Bills fan friend here in, uh, in central New York, but um, the Jets fans look at Chad Pennington. Like he was the, like, like of, you know, modern day Jets fans, right. He's, he's probably the best quarterback that we've seen. Right. Statistically. Right. I mean, statistically, yes, and like because of career, but I mean, the best actual quarterback I've ever seen was like Brett Favre before I got hurt. Okay, but Brett Favre. But like, I'm for, saying in a vacuum. Yeah, you know yes, what I'm yes. saying, right? Yeah. Chad's the guy that we look at, and we're like, you know what? Chad was like the goat in Jets' eyes, right? He's aged so well because we haven't had anything good. Uh, exactly. <laughs> you know how many times Chad Pennington threw for 20 touchdowns in a season? Like twice. Once. Once. 2002. Not 2006. Like, nope. 19. It's also, a, but here's the thing. It's also a different game. That's why I, dude, Derek Carr. 20 numbers, touchdowns. 20. That's it's. We can't I'm not even saying get 30. 10. We can't even get 10. <laughs> so honestly, so that's, that's what I'm saying. So I guess to, to bring it all home here for anyone to not want Derek Carr, I just think it baffles me. I think he would absolutely be a home run get for this team. I think he would provide this. He would solidify this quarterback position and he'd be honestly like, a, 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 an attract. This would be an attractive destination for him with the youth that we have, the running game returning. Um, defense. Never had a, defense. He's never had a this defense. Up, and so. it was CBS Sports. He's never had. I mean, overall from 2014 when he was drafted to now, the yeah. Raiders have ranked 30th or worse in every major defensive category. Yeah, he's literally had never had that support. The Jets could literally give him a top five defense. So there you go. I think. Next, you move to Jimmy G. I think there's obvious ties to him, Salah, Mike LaFleur. I think Jimmy G has won everywhere he's gone. The biggest concern there is health. Injury. It, you know, so you you worry about that. You worry about the same thing. Like, okay, is it a Jimmy, Mike White kind of thing there? Or Jimmy with Zach Wilson backing him up? I don't know. I mean, that also throws a, a monkey wrench into all those plans. But I still think that if you get Jimmy and he can stay healthy, that is a good option. And third, Tannehill, I feel like that's kind of just the, you know, the the, the best of the worst options um, there. He's safe. He's like kind of safe. Safe. Injury concerns there. Um, but you can't totally discount what he's done in Tennessee. 
and how he's revived his career there. So I do think that he would be a meh, but uh, you know, better than meh option, I guess, as a as a third choice there. Yeah. Is your list any different than mine? Top two are third would be Minshew. I, I like Minshew more than Tendall solely because of age. I think there's untapped potential. He's only had like really like two seasons as a starter. And then I know he obviously had games where he didn't start initially. Um, I think his rookie season because they had Nick Foles and then they went back to Foles. And then I think in his second year before they got Trevor Lawrence, I think they put, I forgot the guy's name. He was some guy I never even heard of. He was like a rookie, whatever, when they were essentially probably trying to tank or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think, and I know he didn't play well against the Saints this past weekend, but I thought he played pretty solid against Dallas, who has a good defense. Yeah. I mean, they were, you know, on the game-winning potential drive, they drove almost 40 points. Um, I like him. And I guess, like I said, Aaron Rodgers would be, you know, the far and away best choice. I mean, I don't think it's going to happen, but Gino would be intriguing. I don't think he wants to come back. I don't think Seattle's going to let him leave. Um, I don't really want Tom Brady. I've heard, I've no. heard that stuff. Tom Brady coming here at 46 years old. I don't want it. going to get his ACL torn. It's it just like, that's not I even, mean, and I can't root for that guy. I can't. I don't, no, it's I, not, I know. And but the it's, worst, uh, like if they did it, well, obviously I'm going to get behind it, but I don't want it. Yeah. But the one thing, and I actually saw someone tweet this, like, what if we can't get Jimmy and Carr and what do they do? If they did this and I tweeted this out and you know where I'm going with this, I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding. And I, my friends, if they hear this or see this, they're going to rip me and, and hold me to it. If they sign or trade for Carson Wentz, I'm oh. a 49ers fan until yeah. they get rid of him. <laughs> I'm not kidding. I'm not joking. I yeah. cannot like it. And the worst thing is I could see the path of them selling themselves on it because Joe Douglas was in Philadelphia when they drafted him. Yeah. Like we cannot no. like it's a disaster. He's not a good locker room guy. He clearly is washed. I mean, Look at what yeah. he basically threw the Washington Commanders playoff hopes away. No, like I'm, I would like, and anyone doesn't know my uh, my girlfriend Chelsea is you know from a Niners family, so they're like my second team, and they're also like the Jets are trying to be the Niners East, so it's like very easy to root for them. And like now that the Jets are mathematically eliminated, I'm definitely gonna like you know pull for them in the playoffs. Probably them and the Bengals. I love I love Joe Burrow too. So yeah. But yeah, like I literally will not be supporting the team as long as Carson Wentz is the quarterback. Like I like obviously they're my team and I'm not like, you know, never going to like them again. I just I cannot get behind that. It would drive me absolutely insane if they did that. And it would be such a Jets move. That's the scary part. Like I'm (laughs) terrified. It's like, remember, I think I said this. If they signed Eli Apple, I would I would flip. Yeah. Yeah. Take that times 50. If they got if they signed Carson. I agree. I agree. I'm I'm with you on uh, on Carson Wentz. I do think. um there's some other interesting names here. I mean, you got Jacoby Brissett. You got guys like, you know, maybe Daniel Jones, Shakespeare, Baker Mayfield. I'm not really in on any of those guys. I, I feel like uh, it's got to be, for me, really, if if they're going to go the veteran route, which they should, because in 23, there should be a playoff mandate on uh, on this regime, uh, in my opinion. And I think it's uh, it's got to be either Jimmy Garoppolo or, uh, or Derek Carr. And those are really the only two answers. With, yeah, with, I- with Ryan Tannehill, for me, being a distant third. I do get... Minshew, um, I would say he's four. I wouldn't be upset with it. I don't want to get myself caught in recency bias. He had one bad game. I think overall, though, he's been pretty good. 
um, thus far. You I like his mobility. Has, I do too. You like his moxie. You kind of like, uh, you know, the little, uh, the, the air about him, but um, you know, the one thing he is a backup for a reason, uh, but these quarterbacks are going to shake free for a reason. So none of them are going to be perfect. We can't, you know, you're not going to get Tom Brady or in his prime or Patrick Mahomes or, or Joe Burrow, you know, shaking free and just able to sign or, or trade uh, to the Jets. So um, it's one of those things. They're going to have bruises. They're going to have warts. I mean, that's just kind of how it goes. So you have to figure out who the best of the bunch is and make your run in them. But one other thing about Derek Carr that I want to point out is that he's 31. Like, let's yeah, not be 32 when the season starts. So it's not like he's let's like, not forget that. Yeah. I mean, I know you could point to Russell Wilson falling off a cliff. It's not like Derek Carr flew off, fell off a cliff. He obviously had his warts this year, but I think a lot of that has to do with the surroundings that he has. He's never really had good coaching. He's yeah. never had a defense. They have, in, they've had incompetent, you know, front office with Mayock. And I think Reggie McKenzie was the guy before there's been so many whiffs and draft picks. Look at how many guys that like the first rounders, uh, Damon Arnett, not on the team. Henry Ruggs, not on the team. Uh, Cleveland Farrell, he's on the team. Barely. Leatherwood, who was a first rounder last year, they got rid of him. Like, I mean, that's a well, lot of whips. Not, uh, Jonathan Abram, not on the team. He's, like, yeah, like he's still we're talking about him about having a bad year. He's thrown for thirty five hundred yards, twenty four touchdowns, and fourteen picks. Like, yeah, he's I, leading, we would have we would have signed up for that. They would have built a statue for Zach Wilson if he came up with those numbers. Like, are you kidding? I think me? I like, tweeted that before the season. Like, if he had twenty four touchdowns, exactly. Everyone like, was like, oh, we can jump. And I know he leads the league in picks, but like leading the league in picks at 14 is not the end of the world. I'm so, sorry. No, 14 picks Dak. in a he's season. He's with Dak who started three less games than him. So Okay. So let's, let's just pump the brakes on the Derek Carr hate. If the Jets sign Derek Carr this offseason, I will be ecstatic. The thing is with the interceptions that now, what with the inflation and passing, guys yeah. are going to throw more interceptions because they're just throwing more. So it's like, yeah, it's bad. It's not Jameis 30 interceptions bad. It's like, it's and, fine. He's, I'm looking at a stat. He's had one season, his rookie year, where he completed less than 60% of his passes. We can't even get someone to do that. We can't get a guy to throw 10 touchdowns. Or Dude, that was about. the saddest thing. I told a bunch of friends about that. Right. <laughs> and I was like, literally since Sam's second year, we haven't had a quarterback throw for more than 10 touchdowns. I'm like, combined, yes, but a singular quarterback. And the other thing with Carr, he's missed three games due to injury in his entire yes. career. And these two games because, you know, they're yep. moving on. And they yep. don't want him to get hurt. So... That's important, and that's the thing that deters me away from Jimmy a little. Even though I like Jimmy, I know he would be good on this team. But it's like if you get if you get Jimmy, Mike White has to be the backup, or you got to get somebody else, like maybe Jacoby Brissett, who people have floated out there too. And I honestly thought he played much better than people want to give credit for. But like, I wouldn't want him to be the starter. No, I agree. And and when you have, uh, there's definitely. Um, expectations coming into next season. I would have a hard time believing that Sala and Joe Douglas would tie their expectations to and their their careers uh, really to Jacoby Brissett and and him having a uh, you know a playoff bound year for the Jets in twenty three. Yeah, that would be shocking to me. But um, you want to switch gears and kind of talk a little bit about Robert Sala's comments post game and and a little bit of that and, and you know what he said. I think he's he's uh, going back to talking about what uh, him and Joe Douglas walked into highlighting the accomplishments that they've had. What are your thoughts overall on that? Uh, especially at this point um, <laughs> when you're seven and nine on the heels of a 23 to six loss that knocks you out of the playoffs. I think it's not the message you should be sending when you've lost five games in a row. I'll say that. Yes, there's progress, but like, you're not like you're come overcoming going winning four games last year. And then you win the division, have a first round bye. 
you just aren't as bad as your predecessors, which I know Joe talked about this on Badlands. It's not anything we should be doing, you know, cartwheels for. I, I think it should just be focusing on, you know, we need to be better and we need to figure out some of these issues that we've had that have caused this streak versus saying like, oh, give us time. It's not an instant coffee league. But you know what? It kind of is an instant coffee league. And yeah. I hate that he's been using that because not for long. That's what the NFL should stand for because if you don't, put results in a results business, you're going to be gone. I mean, and there has been this, you know, narrative that Woody has not been patient. I mean, yes, Adam Gase was gone, but that was Christopher, but like he didn't, he shouldn't have made it after the first year. Right. So. Yeah. We all knew it was wrong. McHagden still got five years. Bowles had four years. It's not like these guys didn't get a chance. And Rex had six. Tannenbaum had six. Itzik only had two, but that was only because he was so incompetent in all the public backlash of how bad he was with that press conference and everything like that. And that was the right move. But to say that they've not been patient is completely false. It's not like they're the Texans who have had three separate head coaches the last three years and may have a fourth. It's not like, yeah, they've, you know, they've had instability, but that's because they haven't had a quarterback. And when you don't have a quarterback, typically the coaches aren't going to survive. I mean, it's just, Congratulations. You're better than your predecessor. And I know that we were looking to see that, but that shouldn't be the bar, the bar that you're trying to clear. You should surpass that bar like times three. Like you, you want to be, have sustained winning and you want to be more than competent. You want to be extra competent, above comp, whatever you want it to be. So what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think you're right. I think he's obviously right. But I think any objective and realistic Jets fan realizes that. But that's not what you want to hear coming out of a 23 to six loss that eliminated you from the playoffs. Like, yeah, we all get it. Like we, we, we see that the, this team could be on the right path and that things have been done and boxes have been checked and that progress has been made. However, you know, highlighting that and saying, well, how far we've come. And, you know, when we walked in here arm in arm, this is where we were and this is where we are now. It's, cool. <laughs> it, I know it's just not a very good look. And I really, I, I, I will defend Sala uh, through and through, but some of the stuff is, is getting harder and harder to defend because that time is over. And honestly, like when, when you're seven and four, you're not talking about how far you've come. You're talking about playing playoff football. So when you get the seven and nine, that's not the time to say, hey, listen, look at how much progress we made. Look at how how good we've done. Like, that's not the, it's, it's just not the time. So I really um, I get the point that he's trying to make. And I understand that. And I think there is credit there to uh, do for him and Joe Douglas. And I do think that they I don't think either of them deserve to be fired. I, I think they need to run it back. I think there's got to be a sense of patience here. Um, no question. And, and I, I do, you know, you see the point that he's trying to make when he says, you know, Kyle Shanahan could have easily cut bait with me and run me out of San Francisco after a four and 12 year and all that. And he, you know, he's, 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 he's making sure that he stands up for his guy on the floor. I get that. I don't, you know, I understand it. You, you got to do it. I do think you have to have patience there. I just think it was a, a ill-advised comment at a really a bad time when um, no Jets fan wants to hear about how far you've come after you just uh, just take ownership. Yeah, you, like, you, you, you let the playoffs slip right through your fingers when the chance was right in front of your face, and um, it just wasn't the uh, the right time to do it. But for sure, um, I, one thing I wanted to call out because our boy Boy Green actually wrote in the comments that Revis was named the finalist for the 2023 Hall of Fame class, which is awesome. And we're super excited. It's like no surprise there, man. Ring Love of honor. And next step can. I'm pretty, I'm pretty damn excited. And yeah. he's, it was awesome. I was at that game when he, you know, he got put in and I'm super excited. You know, every time I go to that stadium, even though the stadium sucks, 
to see his name up there with all the other great jet legends alongside, you know, brick bangled. So it's, it's pretty cool. And it's, it sucks that he won a, a ring with the Pats because it just stings, but I'm happy he has the ring, but like, I'm always going to hold on to my Revis Jersey. Like it's, I mean, now that I have sauce, it's, it's definitely going to be more of my go-to, but like the Revis Jersey is something I want to give to my kid one day. Like mm-hmm. it's just, it's awesome. And it's like, you know, it's like when you see people who are wearing Joe Willie jerseys, it's like 20 years from now, the Revis jersey is going to be like that because Namath will have played, you know, eight, however many years later. So yeah. it's 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 really cool, man. And I'm I'm super excited for him. It's um it's truly amazing. Like the two greatest Jets that I've watched uh, in my 37 years are, are Curtis Martin and Darrell Revis. And those guys yeah. are just on different levels. The consistency in which... Curtis Martin played um, was just unreal and, and you knew what you were getting every time, but to watch Darrell Revis uh, truly shut down an entire side of the field in that yeah. defense um, for, you know, really those four years uh, was just unbelievable from 08 to 11 was really amazing with 09 specifically, just no That's, one, I don't think will ever duplicate that. He was robbed. He was robbed. Yeah, he, Charles he Woodson, was. I, I don't mean, care. It was unbelievable <laughs> what he did. And for him to, you know, and I remember um, uh, in 2010 when he was holding out and, you know, I was clamoring for, for him to come back and for them to get a deal done. And all my other non-Jets fan friends would kind of, you know, hassle me as, is one player really worth it? Is one player really worth all this attention and all this money? About And I remember my father and I would argue with them in that defense. Yes, it absolutely is worth it like he shut down an entire side of the field they literally didn't have to worry about whoever 24 was covering because he was that good I mean it was unreal to watch uh every Sunday and uh credit to Darrell man he is uh he's the greatest to ever do it and, and there's no question we watch greatness every Sunday that he was on the field as Jets fans man it was awesome whether they got sure. a ring with with uh with New England or not man I'm still I'm gonna love Darrell Rivas till uh you know forever because he was awesome to watch Yep. I agree. I agree. Um, so I, I know we teased a little bit to talk about off season stuff. Um, I think the biggest thing, obviously, besides getting a quarterback that they need to do is they need to shore up the offensive line. I think if they don't use their first rounder to acquire a quarterback, like let's just say some guy, and it is possible because the last three off seasons, you know, we've seen big name quarterbacks get moved. We didn't expect Russ Stafford, Brady, it's not impossible that they could potentially use a first rounder on someone that we don't expect to be available, but assuming they hold on to it, they got to take a tackle because Dwayne Brown's old. We don't really know what's going to go on with Becton, even though he claims, you know, he'll be good to go for next year, but I'm not banking on that. And George Fed has to go. So whether it's Becton and somebody else, we need a dress tackle. That to me is the biggest that need. And, and then I think besides that you need another safety for Joiner, which you could get in free agency or a trade. And then you need more guys, you know, off ball linebackers, because as good as CJ is, he'll be 32 or no, he'll be 31 next year. Quincy's hot and cold. And then behind that, you really have no depth. I, I could see Quan not being brought back because he did actually have a good year and maybe a team gives him more money. Mm-hmm. So you can't bank on that. So those are the things that they really need to address. And they got to tinker with the staff. I can't, I don't think that you can just run it back. I think Boyer probably deserves to be let go. I know we didn't talk about that. Braden man has to go. I, I think you're the new quarterback Burial's coach. Possibility. Yeah. I liked I mean, Brax, but he's been terrible. He's been he really terrible. Has. It sucks yeah. because he's a really likable guy, good locker room guy, but he's been awful. And I think and he's an $8 million cap hit next year. Yeah. I, I think he might get, they might cut him and he'll go to new England and be good. And then we'll be mad about it. But 
They need they need some the re, and Corey might go because he's just too inconsistent and he gets hurt. So I could yep. see them trying to get another big body receiver as well. And, so. and he's worth eleven million, I think, next year too. So there's a lot yeah. of things at play here, and I think. Yeah, you're right. Depending on how uh, how the offseason shakes out in terms of the quarterback market and, and what the Jets need to do to secure one, um, whether it's trade or, 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 you know, if they can sign a Derek Carr, if he does get released, we'll see. But, you know, um, shoring up offensive line obviously is a is a is a big thing here because, you know, I think Connor McGovern, his contract is up. So whether or not they re-sign him, you obviously got ABT coming back. Lakin's not going anywhere because of that contract. And that's a lot of guaranteed money. And I think dead money if they were to cut him. So you have two questions at the tackle spots. You hope that Max Mitchell can come back who he's got. What, I forgot about him. <laughs> yeah, I know. But honestly, and that's another one that you simply it, proven to be, you can't rely on him. So Mackay Becton, Max Mitchell, but you have to shore up at least one of those tackle spots there. Um, you don't know about the question mark at, at center. So if they do bring back McGovern, I thought he was great in the first part of the year. I think he's faltered a, a little bit as of late. I mean, he, the guys around the entire, him yeah, the entire offensive line has. So um, it's, it's a question mark. So, but you know, getting AVT back will be huge. Getting Brees Hall back will obviously be huge. Um, and I think off ball linebacker is, uh, is obviously you brought it up is a big thing because honestly, I was listening to Rich Samini's podcast uh, flight deck earlier today. You know, the jets have given up 87 catches to tight ends this year. Yeah. So I, far. I mean, they haven't been able to cover a tight end, you know, they, and, before, and before Gronk. <laughs> exactly. And it's that much more important because you have these two great corners on the outsides that nobody can throw on. So obviously the middle of the field is where teams are going to look to eat and they are, and they're doing it at an astounding rate. Cause I think they've given up the fifth most catches to tight ends this year. So being able to cover the tight end is that much more important. So getting an off ball linebacker that can cover getting help on the back end to help out Jordan Whitehead, um, who I think has also kind of not been great as of He'll late be either. Back. He He'll will be back. back, definitely. But you need a running mate for him. I think when Marcus Joyner is obviously done. Um, so to shore up that part of the defense, I think is huge. And I think they got to add another edge. Um, that's going to be another part. So I don't think Carl Lawson is going to come back. I think you obviously uh, scoot Jermaine Johnson into that role a little bit, but you're going to need another edge rusher. And for God's sakes, give Bryce off more staffs, please. I mean, that's probably like, what they would do. It'd be just more I, Jermaine. More. I don't know why they don't already, but hey, that's neither here nor there. So <laughs> yeah. we can go ahead and fast forward to Miami and wrap this up, man. Yeah, we don't need to preview it because it doesn't mean anything. But I tweeted this out because I'm not rooting for the draft pick. Mm-hmm. And honestly, we've seen this song and dance when you're for the draft pick, they always let you down. So I think they're going to destroy them. I really do. Like a 31-10 win, like convincing win. And, you know, it's very on brand with what happens with the Jets. They have a chance of a top 10 pick if they lose and all these other teams win. But they, I think they can at worst be like 16 or 17. You know that they're going to not be a top 10 pick. So I, I think they're going to, they're going to, they're going to walk and they're going to just destroy them. And I think it's good to not finish at last. It's good to not have a double digit, double digit loss season. It's good to double your win total year over year. So as much as it doesn't mean anything, those things to me mean a lot. It's also good to end this losing streak and just yeah. to have a lot of positives to take away and, you know, hopefully get Garrett Wilson more yards, you know, get all these guys, just some more highlight plays, get some damn touchdowns. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'd like to, yeah, I, this is a, it's honestly a tough game to predict because everything I, I all signs point to like Jets playing against Skylar Thompson or, or, or Mike Lennon, like they should absolutely crush him, but man, who would pick the Jets after looking the way they did over the last two weeks? Yeah, I have I, no idea, but I'm with you. I don't want to root for a loss. I'm done with that. I, I hate rooting for, for draft. We're position. not getting a generational player no, for if we and, move and up. Generational, we could get guess, one if at our current spot. Like it doesn't, exactly. 
Exactly. So, um, yeah, I think uh, I, I think the Jets pull this out. I think they win. Uh, it'd be nice to to send the Dolphins home. Although, uh, is there? I, I mean, honestly, I've been so dejected by it all. Is there any way that the Jets beat Miami and Pittsburgh gets in over New England? Yes. Okay, if, so that's all Jets, we want. If the Jets win and New England loses and Pittsburgh wins, I think they then can. Then there we go. Pittsburgh that's what we hit. need to happen. So that's the only thing. I would, I I'd be so, and it's cool for Mike Tomlin, never having a losing season. Exactly. If he, if he so that. I'd rather see Pittsburgh get in than uh, than New England, obviously. So oh, I hope the Jets win. I do think they'll pull it out because I just, I don't think there's any way that this defense can lose to uh, to either Mike Lennon or Skyler Thompson. But I'm really, I don't know what we're going to expect, but I'm with you. I'd like to see an eight-win team. Uh, I'd like to see uh, the season nine not end with a six game losing streak going from seven and four to seven and 10 would be severely depressing. So let's just get the win, get to the off season. And that's where we're Kings. Yeah, for sure. Um, so yeah, like we said, we think the Jets are going to win. Doesn't necessarily mean anything, but it's more pride at this point. <laughs> um, I know that, you know, it's, we say this every week, but we cannot thank everybody enough who listens, watches comments on Twitter. It's, it's awesome. So if you haven't already, make sure to subscribe to our feed on YouTube, youtube.com slash the Jets TV. Apple or Spotify, just search Turn on the Jets Live. You'll see the feed. Um, and then make sure you're subscribed to our sister feed, Turn on the Jets. It's, you know, Will's show. He does an amazing job, gets great guests. And then draft season, which now, more than ever, you're something you're actually going to care about, what these players who are coming out you want on this team. Meigs, Joe, Dylan, James, now that he's back from his European voyage, talking all things prospects that fit for this team. Um, and last but certainly not least, make sure to become a Badland subscriber. Offseason is where we dominate as Jet fans. I know Joe and Connor have a lot of good things in store for 2023. So check that out. I know they're going to be, you know, announcing some things over the coming weeks of what's go- what's to come. And I know that they're going to be doing more than what they've ever done before. So keep checking that out. Five dollars. It's definitely worth it. You'll see, you know, writing from Stephen and I from time to time. I think during this offseason, we'll be doing more you know, writing because there's going to be so many things to talk about. Um, and on this feed, we'll be doing our, you know, last, last episode of this season next week. Probably work to get some guests on, maybe get a couple, it'll be fun. And I think over time, we'll probably do some, you know, sporadic shows. Like if they make, if they make a trade for Derek Carr, or, you know, they get him before that contract. So we'll obviously do an emergency show. Stephen and I will probably try to do some solo shows from time to time as well. Like I did last week, just to kind of switch it up. But um, yeah, it won't be every week going forward after the season, but we'll definitely try to make sure that we give you your Jets fix when, you know, the time arises and, uh, you know, we appreciate the support and we'll talk to you guys next week.